Dead Bodies is not for the squeamish and is intended for mature audiences. Hang on, let's. Did you hear that voice? It wouldn't have gone to the pod, but let's. Let's. No, no, not yet. Shit talk time. Okay. <laughs> so, we've been missing for a little while. Mm-hmm. We're back. Yes, we are. And back. we're normally so positive at the start. We have a bit of a banter. We've got. We've got what my husband would describe as a bit of shit on the liver, <laughs> a bit of blood in the eye. That's right. Welcome. To shit talk time. That's right. And specific shit talk about someone. Hmm. Is it Chanel? No. No. Is it me? No. No. Is it the lovely Simon who's here with us today? Are we allowed to? Of course. Yes. Hello, Simon. It's an honour, ladies. It really is. Now, the pod listeners have met Simon before. He's bobbed up here and there where he's helped us in emergency situations. He's lovely. We love him. Who's not here? Kirsten. Shit talk time. I told you we should have got the baby and From this point on, she is dead to us. Just like everyone else that we talk about on this podcast, dead. That's too much for me. Why? It's too strong. Oh, you're pulling me back. (laughs) I am. I am. I actually cried over Kirsten yesterday. All right. So here's. You tell the story. uh, Kirsten, when I. So I've been working in radio for a very long time and usually as part of a duo, Grubby and Dee Dee, we were everywhere, blah, blah, blah. Sure. Radio pollution. For years we've, we've caused it. And then. I started getting solo opportunities yes. and the very first one was on a Friday night show called Trending. You yes, came in on. Yes, I've right. been on Trending. And when I started, they, my boss said, there's a producer and she's got a sort of a Chinese sounding like name. A, this is a eulogy. <laughs> this is a full-blown eulogy. Kirsten was well, born. And, and so I came into the office that night and there was this person sitting there and mm. it was honestly love at first sight. I sure. just. Because she, she you can't is. hate her. She's but lovable, we do isn't now. she? <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> we do. So she's been with me the whole time, and then then the afternoon program, and you know all mm-hmm. these steps we've taken together, and all the time she's been yes. by my side. And I've even joked to her, you know, when things would happen, I would say, "This is why you can never leave me, Kirsten." Yes. And then she tells me at the end of last year, what? she's been offered this other job Whoa. with massive money and better hours, and she's got a young family to look yes. after, and babies, the babies everywhere, lured and, by the fruits. Oh, Goodness, happened here. I blame the babies. So. so She's I'm still broken hearted. Yeah, she's gone. She's left my program. Um, and she's left us. Yeah. <laughs> she's left us. She's kicked us to the curb. And I buried it and I didn't process it very well. I had a few little weepy moments on her last day. Well, as people know, I cover state politics in this town. Mm-hmm. And I won't say where she's gone, but it may have a flavour. It's a government department. Oh, you've just said it. Okay. There it is. No, oh, people no want they anyone. need to be punished for it. I hate so them. as part of my role, I have conversations with both the Premier of this state and the uh, Infrastructure Minister, or the Deputy Premier of this state also. And I plan to not just, the shit talk will not stop here. Oh, you're going to take it to the I'm very gonna top. I'm going to shit talk her to yes, her do it. top bosses. Do it. So she comes she back. She deserves it. I think so she too. But they're not. See, I can't go all in on this because yesterday. So I'll just do one other. 
all I know of this is there's a, a, a banter list and I'm going to yeah. the lowest part of the banter list okay. where I've written the word chickens. Okay. So there were five chickens. Yes. There was. What's happening right now? I don't know. Do you want to keep going, Kirsten? Yeah. Oh, have you moved on? I haven't moved on. Well, this is related. <laughs> <It> is. <laughs> Simon's sitting Simon's there waiting like, to say something. Where was the segue? Uh, so do you, I, I can't. I was going to have a go at Kirsten, but I can't. She's just broken my heart. So I'm getting teary eyes and I got teary yesterday. Oh, you when I texted her hard enough. She's dead to me. When you write your emails, when you send feedback, don't put her name on anything anymore. No, they do. And when No, don't when, bother. When she's I, gone. <laughs> Put her on the the page for my show, yes, my radio show. Going, oh, Kirsten's leaving, and I love it. People are going, oh, she's still doing the pod. She's still doing, it. and I'm going, yes, yes, she's still doing. No, the pod. she's not. Well, oh, she is. She is. She just couldn't do this particular uh, patch no, of recording. She's out. <laughs> You're not letting her back. No. Well, so I'm learning to live without her. Okay. Isn't there a, an eagle song? I'm learning to live without you now. No. I'm sure there is the heart of the matter. Been trying to get down. I, I can look it up. The heart of the matter. I, I can look it up for you in a, in a sec. But um, are, are you moving on from Kirsten? Because Kirsten, you've got notes. I, what did she send them to you? I have Kirsten's right of reply oh. here in my hands. Now, oh. I, I'm on the other side of the glass. Permit me okay. to just leave here and come and hand you these notes. Oh, she, oh no, we're going to read them. Come, oh, he's coming around. Has she even got time to do this stuff? Because she does. Because she works government in a fit, department oh, job. Yes. Oh, oh no, oh my god, oh, they're in tiny writing. Okay, I need they that. are in tiny. Oh, okay, who's going to read this? Qu- oh, she's all right. Okay, she's really <gasps> gone. To she's her done here. research here. Should we okay, start from uh, the top. Yeah, you start. Okay. Quotes attributed to to Kirsten Limhow, producer of Dead Bodies podcast. It is difficult to respond as I'm not entirely sure what exactly has been said in my absence here today. Shit talk. That's what's happened. However, I have no doubt that if Dee Dee Dunleavy and Chanel Vella have been left to their own devices... It will not be good. Wow. She's thought the worst of me and here was me be going soft on her. She can get But she knows us quite now. well, doesn't she? Wow. You read on. Therefore, I refute any allegations made by either party here today and will be retaliating with full force if necessary. What does that even mean? What tools does she have at her disposal? Can we say what department she's in? No, I'm worried people might track her down. I don't. What? So what? So what? Let them okay, deal yeah, with it. Okay. Let her new employer, it's the part, Department of Transport, and she can talk about roads all the time. Oh, Kirsten, tell us how exciting the roads is. are. Yeah, the last time the, these two were left unsupervised, my family's good name was besmirched. <laughs> Threats of violence were made against an infant, my de- uh, infant, my defenceless and incredibly cute baby daughter. To quote Dee Dee in episode one three two at the four thirty, oh wow, she's really gone in hard. The four thirty three mark. I have a plan. Bash up the baby. Get it out of the picture. It's true. You did. I know. I did. You did wage war I still against think that her child. Would have child. been the way to deal with it. You did. I'll read on. Mm -hmm. Not exactly nice things, nice things now, was it? (laughs) Good people of the Dead Bodies podcast, I direct my attention to you now. Oh, so she's not even speaking to us. Cold-shouldered us. Right. The standard you walk by 
is the standard oh, you accept. She's become woke. Wow. What did this happen? It's time to rise up and speak out against such blatant acts of disrespect. Can I add in there hashtag dead bodies matter? Is this what she's on about? I don't. Brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters. From this she's moment. She's union. I know. She, wow. From this moment onwards, I ask that you end all feedback emails with a hashtag <laughs> along the lines of hashtag. I stand with Kirsten or justice for Kirsten. Wow. Shall I take Please. Over? Uh, I like to think I'm a good person. I break for animals when they're crossing the road and I hold the door open for strangers. However, I've been left with no choice but to stoop to levels beneath me in order to avenge my daughter and restore honour to my family. Di- She's calling me Diane. Diane. Diane, the very second this episode is released, you will have resumed your duties as host of the 3AW Afternoons program. Being a talkback radio station, it's not unusual for you to be taking calls from listeners throughout the day. (laughs) I will be directly responsible for one of those calls. I will be pranking you. It might not be today. It might not even be this week, but it will be happening. Expect the unexpected. Chanel, you will be spared for now as you did leap to my... (laughs) As you did leap to the defence of my daughter, which did not go unnoticed. See, but I've gone harder on her today. Yeah. It's switched. However, if I come to find that whatever you've said here today warrants further action, (laughs) it does. There will be consequences and you too will feel my wrath. Hashtag um, justice for Kirsten. And then she's done ends to make sure no one can add anything unsolicited to her words. She um, She's written that on government head uh, letterhead, which I think is illegal. I'm going to take – I'm going to dob that in. Can you dob that in to the Premier of the state? Wait till she hears this and she – thank till, you for passing this on as well. Whiz. Simon, um, can you take over permanently as – we? Uh, I don't want to get in the middle no. of something. I love this podcast <laughs> and I love the three of you. I'll help whatever well, I can. I don't know Look, what to make of that. I'm all about fair journalism, but mm. in this situation, <laughs> I don't know about her right of reply. So we're, we're not allowed the to host of this the podcast. Yeah, but which I'm told is is an unacceptable thing to do. Well, whatever. Okay. Um, what else can we do though to get it back? I don't know. I'm going to have to think about it. <sighs> Well, she hasn't left. Anyway, bottom line, she hasn't left. Oh, so the chickens, just to get to the chickens. Oh, so please. Because it's related. We're moving on. We're done with Kirsten. Nearly. Just... Nearly. But I okay. don't even want her to know that this happened. So yesterday we were texting about something else to do with the show. Sure. And um, we had five chickens. Yes. Thin Lizzie, Black Betty. These are your chickens at your house. Yes. Yes. The twins, Mary-Kate sure. and Ashley. Yes. And Dottie. <laughs> yes. But Lizzie died oh, a couple of months ago. What? I know it's very sad. What? Dead chickens are really Why sad. Why didn't you text me? Because I didn't. But, I didn't know if it was on the level of a dog. Because you had a dog tragedy recently, not yes, yours, but I did yes, have a family a dog tragedy. Yes. I, I just didn't feel like it, I felt it was wrong to put a chicken death on the same level as a dog death. I don't know why. It's because, different to cats, though. I probably wouldn't have accepted a cat death, but yeah. I would take chicken. 
so Betty, who was our favourite, the chirpy mm. one, she so she died last week. Yes. And I was texting with Kirsten and I said, oh, there was something the other day I was going to text you, but I didn't want to bother you at yes. work. Here I was being respectful of her new job, which I now view as a piece of shit. Yes, she's, correct. Do you know what she does? <laughs> do you know what she does for a living? All right, let's tell everyone. She talks she's, about roads. No, she's not even that. No, she doesn't. She <laughs> cleans. She's sewerage worker and she cleans what? toilets for a living. Yep. Oh, we'll tell that's, people that's what she does. Yep. That's yes. what she does. And she was fired from and this job. You here's fired the other her. thing she does in her job. She runs her car over small animals <gasps> on the road. That's right. Deliberately oh, does that. Yes. That's part of her job. And she mistreats she's her chosen. child. That's what she does as part yes. of her job. So there, that's what the job that's is. That's it. But then I, when I was texting to her that, well, one of the chickens, uh, I said, Betty died the other day. And yes. The, after ringing Kieran and crying on him, sure. I said, the first person I wanted to text and tell, tell that Betty had died was, was Kirsten. And, so you just walked in chicken dead. Well, I knew she'd been unwell for a little while. Oh, and, sure. And her, in the, normally chicken's comb on the top yeah. of your head is red and it sure. sticks straight up and that shows they're really healthy. Oh, it had gone sort of a dull like pink colour. Yeah. Yeah. It had sort of flopped over. Very and she over. was just slow and quiet and she wasn't jumping on her food like she used to. So we knew she wasn't well. Okay. Just kind of had a mm. feeling. And on the morning that she had died the night sure. before, I was in the kitchen and I just sure. knew and I was putting off going down there because I thought I know I just know I'm going to find her and of course I went down there and there she was poor little pet. I might touch on the story of the, my dog that passed because I'm okay now. I was not okay. No, I know you weren't. It was my family dog, mm. Chester, rest his soul, mm. who when we all when my sister and I moved out of home, when he was with my sister. So his dad moved down to the coast and I was not able to take a dog his size. Um, so, so lived with my sister, and can I just? I don't. Did I tell you the whole story? Have I told you what no. happened? So he was quite old and was becoming unwell and was getting to the point where he was startled by loud noises. And when he would hear these loud noises, he would lunge and try to attack my sister's rotty. Oh, you did mention that. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, but what it's happened good for everyone was. Else to know. Um, he had attacked my sister's Roddy once and we'd gone to the vet and all that. And, you know, it was just, it was a terrible time. But then on a Friday, I think it was a Friday night, my sister rang me and her voice was so calm. She said, do you mind coming over? I've, Chester's just bitten me. Mm. And I was like, Absolutely. Oh my. Okay. Yeah. We're we're on our way, and you know, like Nico could tell that something was happening, and he's already putting his shoes on. He's yeah. he's there putting his shoes on. So and then then we get there, and he hasn't just attacked her. He's basically ripped her arm apart. Yeah. And it was that moment where I sprang into action. I was like, Nico's, you know, dry reaching. He can't look at her arm. There's like, it was bad. It was he'd bitten her quite a few times. Gosh. Um. And, you know, he was hiding under the table. He knew he'd been triggered by a loud noise you know, yeah. on a movie that my sister was watching. He'd gone for the other dog. My sister had tried to break them up. My sister had been bitten um, in the interim. And when I got there, Nico was like, you know, do we need to be worried about him? And I was like, no, he he's just when he loses his mind, he's getting old. Mm. Um, and he was, you know, under the table and kind of knew what he'd done. And mm. I'm getting the you know, first aid kit out of my car and bandaging my sister up anyway. Um, yeah, she had to go to hospital. She had to have an operation to clean out the wounds oh, and, you know, yeah. it, they were really deep and it was it was just an awful time, you know. Your sister's been attacked and is in hospital. She actually spent about three days in hospital 
and attacked by the dog that you love, which is mm. so awful. Anyway, I said to my sister, you know, as much as I love dogs and everyone knows that, who knows me, it's time. You know, he has to be put to sleep. And my sister and I made it – we've taken another family dog to be put to sleep who was, you know, 14 years old when we were young and we did that at the vet. And I think I had this conversation with you mm, yeah. um, that I would just never do that again. I would I would just want to put my dog to sleep Oh, this was home. when we talked. Yes, he wanted yes. someone to come to the yes. house. Yeah. So, And this is where I'm going with this story because I think this is quite an extraordinary job. I found this beautiful woman um, who – it's her her sole job is she goes around to people's homes and puts their pets to sleep. Is she? Does her husband work with her? Because no. there was a couple. I had another um, vet who would come and it was treating yeah. Harvey at home and eventually yeah. put him to sleep at home. But there's a couple that do it too as yes. their sole business, and they are both the most beautiful people. She was so. Uh, w- our decision was confirmed to us when she arrived at the house mm. and the second Chester saw her, mm. he snapped into that mode again where he was going to attack her. Um, wow. And, you know, it's one of those situations where we either made that decision or we have the council take him away yeah. because something's happened. Um, and I just, I said to her, I don't know how you do this day mm. in, day out. You, you know, you drive around and... She was the most beautiful person and we did it and she had a great big bed in the back of her vehicle that she put him in and she tucked him in afterwards and Aww. like it was, yeah, it was beautiful. Um, really upsetting at the time. But I just, yeah, I don't know, I take my hat off to people like that. that could I could just never do that and I think that, that service is obviously needed but it would just be so hard. And that's such a hard decision to make. I think you made the right decision because yeah, you don't know too. who might, Absolutely. somebody with a child might come oh, to the door. And then. you just can't, like my sister couldn't take that risk anymore. You can't live in a house where you're terrified of the dog that you live with. Yeah. And he was a big dog too. But um, also to uh, have his final moments mm. in in a way that you knew were a, a, yeah. just the ultimate comfort for him. Yeah. He was at home. And we, we fed him all the things that he's never allowed to eat. Yeah. So we gave him chocolate ice cream and we were feeding him bits of chocolate and all the things that dogs are never allowed to have. Yes. And he was like, it was actually really sad in a way because he was like, why? This is the best day of my life. Like I'm getting all oh. this chocolate oh. and I'm getting all the things. And we were like, I know, I know. Um, but, yeah, it was definitely the right decision but awful. Mm. 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 Um, who's, you who's... do a story. Okay. Where did I put them? Right up. Oh, here they are. Simon, I gave you a bit of audio. Um, I think we'll do the crash test one. Have you got that handy? Simon knows to just leave all this ridiculous stuff in it. I think he has. Thumbs okay. up from Simon. Thumbs up. We like see how professional. Very, professional. Yeah, this is how from the like, other side of the glass. Yeah, there's no one blurting out yeah. comments, oh. trying to make us see? laugh, trying, and we have to politely laugh. Yeah. Oh, Kirsten, oh, Kirsten, you're amusing. Not anymore. Uh, 1869 in Ireland, mm-hmm. Mary Ward was a 42 year old astronomer, which it's, could just pause for a second there. That's it's early a, to pause in the story. But, it is. Uh, she's 42. She's an astronomer in 1869. Like how cool is that? That she's Because science yeah. would have been a male-dominated area. Sure. And she had eight children, which was uh, – Wow. Yeah, she's pretty incredible. Mary went to visit her cousin's castle, as you do, near mm. Dublin, and they had at their house a, a homemade steam-powered automobile. 
because cars oh, were everyone was in okay. horses and buggies and stuff. So Mary was a scientist, so she jumped at the chance to have a, a ride in this newfangled piece of machinery. But as they were fanging around town doing burnouts, and the car hit a bend in the road, and Mary was thrown out and she fell under the wheels. Oh. She was bleeding from the ears, her neck was broken, and she died almost instantly. So Mary Ward, in 1869, became the first recorded victim of a car accident. Oh! Ever. Right. Uh, Bleeding from the ears is never good. No, I don't think so. It's not. Does blood ever come out of the eyes? Yeah. Because I always say with my husband, because he's getting better. Have I told you, and I should not laugh when I say this, have I ever told the story on the podcast about how I was standing at the bottom of a staircase, like four levels up when someone fell? <gasps> have I no, told this story? No, but I, would, I met up with an old school friend the other day and she was an ambulance yeah. worker for many years and I told her about one in the city where on a multi-level car park yeah. one morning they found a torso and everyone's like, oh, my God. What's Just a torso? Just the torso. Oh. This is really gross. Sorry, apologies, but this is what we do. A little bit of investigation later, they discovered that somebody had jumped from high up. Yeah. And as they fell across all the stories and the bars and stuff, bits of the body were coming out. Okay, well, I'll save my story after your story. You continue. That's the end of that one. Oh, you want more? No, after your story, I'll tell my falling story. Right home. Could even save it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Here we go. Uh, it was 30 years after Mary died in September 1899, a man called Henry Bliss was getting off a trolley cart, which is a tram, I think, in New York City at the corner of West 74th and Central Park West. And an electric-powered taxi cab hit him and he hit the ground and he died from head injuries. So he became North America's first vo- uh, motor vehicle fatality. Here in Australia... We only have road death records from about 1925 onwards. And in that year, 1925, the road toll was 700. So um, the highest that we've ever hit was in 1978 when 3,705 people wow. died on our roads. And at the moment, it's around about 1,200 a year. Didn't we invent seatbelts here? I should have the answer to that question. You're going to do your Googles? Yeah. Because yeah. I don't know if we did. So around the world, one around about 1.35 million people die in road accidents every year. So back in 1930, road deaths were happening everywhere. Do you want me to pause while you Google no. who invented the seatbelt? No. Got it? Who invented? We did something. We, the... we did the what? I think we did the washing line. We did the lawnmower. Okay. Okay. No, it was invented by... The, a Volvo engineer, but did we, we the first to legalise them? Who first legalised? Made them compulsory. Yes. Would have been in the 70s. So I can remember bouncing around in the car. In 1970, the government there of the go. state of Victoria became the first in the Western world to introduce legislation for compulsory wearing of seatbelts. Well, but actually, judging by that stat, if the peak road deaths here in Australia was in 1978... Yes. It sounds like a lot of people weren't weren't doing were going, it. Going get stuffed. I'm not wearing a fucking seatbelt. But you know how when you go on a holidays you just stop wearing seatbelts? Yeah. You know how that happens? You, you go to what? another country and you're like, oh, I don't need a seatbelt here. I'm not a, I don't I don't abide by these laws. And you just I'm I'm bloody click clack front and back. Yeah. Me. Oh, I'm yeah. I'm on it. But, but Nico when... doesn't do it. I always yell at him, put your seatbelt on. Doesn't your car go bing 
bing, bing, the most of them Not do. here, not here when we're on holiday. Oh, okay. You yeah, know, yeah. don't trust people in other countries when you don't know no. what their driving habits are like. Um, when I was a kid, like older cars in the 70s, the seatbelt buckle was made of metal. And if you're hot. being parked at the beach all day and you yes. go to put it, yeah, it would burn you, like literally yes. burn um, okay, so where are we? Uh, we've got 1.35 million people at the moment dying mm-hmm. on the roads all around the world uh, every year. In Back in 1930, road deaths were just everywhere. People going, oh, let's get a car. Let's get, oh, let's get a motor car. Let's Do go for a drive. And they just, and no seatbelts, they're just going everywhere. And oh, yep. look how fast we can go in this jalopy. Um, and everything in those old cars was made of metal, just about everything. Yes. The dashboard, the steering columns, there were knobs sticking out everywhere for stuff and, of course, no seatbelts. So uh, passengers in a crash would often smash into those things, in particularly mm. the steering column, or they'd go through the windshield. So um, Wayne State University in Detroit started researching ways to make cars safer. Oh, I'm just going to give a little warning here. There's some animal... Oh, cruelty in this okay. a little bit, but I'll, I'll right. try and warn better just before yep. I mention it, just so you can stick your fingers in your ears. Um, in the early research of ways that they could make cars safer, the researchers were actually using themselves as crash test dummies. There was a guy called Professor Lawrence, pa- Lawrence Patrick. He took 400 rides on a rocket sled to test how, you know, like breaking suddenly, oh. how that affected the body. And he and his students would hit themselves in the chest with heavy metal things and oh. they'd hit in the face with things and stuff, but obviously, and sprayed themselves with broken glass, but obviously they couldn't keep doing that. Sure. They needed to do a testing on what was happening inside the car in a crash. Yes. So they used human cadavers. No, they didn't. Yes, they did. This is before crash test dummies. Remember those ads? Yes. This is what happens. And they would show exactly. the crash test dummies. Uh, they, uh, where was I up to? How would you? Human cadavers. Okay. Um, so at first they were getting cadavers. They mainly at, the, at first wanted to test the injuries that people were getting them and what bodies could withstand. Yeah. So they were dropping steel ball bearings onto the skulls. They were dumping bodies down unused elevator shafts onto oh steel plates. And they strapped dead bodies into cars and then crashed them to study the injuries and where they were being hurt most. Obviously, like you are now. Only because I'm thinking, right, you do the crash once. You obviously want to do more than one test in one day. How many times are you using the same body? Good point. Good point. So you know what's coming up on my stuff. Okay. First of all, we have people just questioning the ethics of the whole thing. Sure. Um, So... One So in order to counter those arguments, one of the researchers, yes. a guy called Albert King, he worked out the value of what they were doing. And he estimated that for every single dead body they used, yes. every year 61 people would survive because they would be wearing a seatbelt that had come about because of that research. Sure. 145 would survive due to airbags. 68 would survive smashing through a windshield. In other words, they were able to say, okay, this dead dead person has helped save this many lives. Okay. Yeah. One of the most common injuries in car crashes was being impaled on the steering column, obviously, oh. the driver going through it. Yes. By 1964, over a million people had died from steering wheel impact. So in the early 1960s, General Motors introduced something called the collapsible steering column, which I'm assuming we must all have in our cars now. Why? And it cut steering wheel deaths in half. Oh, I just remembered something. Random thought came into my head. Please. Something that I've shelved into that little area where you don't think of that. 
on the back. until later. My husband and I were driving home from being down the surf all day and a car had run off the road and into a tree. Okay. And we jumped out. No mobile phones in those days. So I don't even remember how an ambulance eventually got called. And the guy had smashed into the steering wheel. It was stuck in, <gasps> embedded in his chest. And I don't know what, he must have hit his head on the dash. Oh, God, was it all caved in? I can't remember. It had been split right across the forehead. Wait, and is was, he dead? No, he was still alive, oh, God, still breathing. I was going to say, all those episodes we did where you were telling me you never saw a dead body and then you're no. like, actually, that one time. Well, I, I can't imagine that he lived. He was still alive because I remember right. as he was like, breathing oh no the head flap oh, no. was, was flapping oh, up and down no. and someone else Gosh, stopped head flap and the someone else and my husband were both trying to pull the steering wheel off his chest which no. in hindsight i mean we were teenagers yeah um you know you early teens, may have yeah, killed him late teens um probably wasn't the best thing to no. do and then eventually an ambulance came from somewhere um and they took over and i do Google remember trying to ring the local somewhere. hospital and find out yeah, I would do that but, too. But I don't I doubt that he would have done. I'm just Um Isn't that weird? I hadn't thought about that for years. Yeah. But I can see it now in my head. White I'm just station wagon. Looking up collapsible steering column for my own. I just want to see what it looks like. Okay. Can you continue? Well, I guess it looks like what we've got in all our cars, but they must just in some, some way, way yeah. yeah, if there's an impact, same way airbags pop up. Yeah. Um so there was a few problems with the testing. Firstly, most of the cadavers that they were getting for this were older males. So that didn't represent all sorts of different people sure. in accidents. And they needed to test how children, yeah, what happened to them in accidents. And it was very difficult to get dead children to do this with because oh. people just didn't want that to happen. And of people, course. Yeah. So at the time... Cadavers were coming from people who donated them to medical education research. And in the early days, their families weren't being told what was happening to their loved one's body. Mm -hmm. Now, I'll just give a warning here. This is where we mention animals. Yes. And um, Simon's on standby to play something for us here. Oh. Um, so uh, there is a documentary called Pigs and Corpses. No. So I guess that gives you yep. a clue of – yep. Uh, Pigs and Corpses, the original crash test dummies, which you can find on YouTube. Look, I don't suggest you watch it because I, I don't want to watch it, it a bit. There's no, uh, not that I could see, there were no human corpses, but um, you I do don't. See I'm starting to go off meat. Yeah. I, I can't lose pigs just yet. Yeah, no, you don't want to see this at all. I don't okay. suggest anyone do that. But we'll just play a couple of bits from it. This is a biomechanics expert named Professor Walter Pikey, and he's explaining the process of how they got the dead bodies for this testing. We call the families as soon as we hear about the, the body being available and we get their specific approval for injury research. It's, it's a really awkward situation where the, the next of kin is grieving openly, then um, basically I, I've learned to hand them a Kleenex and, uh, uh, and hope that that improves the situation a little bit. We assure them that it's done with great respect and that um, the name is never known to anyone and that here's a chance for the dead to help the living. Oh, can I just, say, just hand them a Kleenex? Did you notice? Yeah. And it's all fine. Did you notice how well Simon played that audio? Oh, wasn't it? Wasn't just that a really good playing of the and audio? Out just like just quality, perfect. Not we're not used to that level of yeah. producing. Professional. That's right. Yes. So much he even held his hand up to mm. say 
we're coming to the end and then dropped it down. Mm-hmm. Yep. Professional. That's what it's like to work mm. with someone who really knows, who's invested, yes. invested in the podcast. Oh, shit, talk time. Loves about us. And because it's all about how, the level of love for us. <laughs> Basically, that's what it's come down to. Our feelings are hurt that she's turned our back on us uh, temporarily. Can, can I interrupt you of and, you can, and yes. say I did text Kirsten to say that uh, I had handed over her notes. Yes. yes. Is she worried? And I, I said, this has been <clears throat> funny. Your notes were delivered at an appropriate time. And she said, ha ha, I'm so glad. Thank you for being the messenger. Uh, I knew I could trust you with it. Please send the room my love. Make them feel worse for whatever they've said today. <laughs> Cunt. There it is. I've said it. She doesn't care. She just wow. Wants, no, no, no. See it. I do enjoy the use of – I do use that word, yeah. I said it with K. Um, A biomechanics researcher, Dr. Dref – Dref? Dref. Dr. Jeff Crandall. Now, because people are going, why, why, why do you need to use human bodies? Here he explains what they do with the human bodies to be able to use them in the tests. Following death, there's a number of changes that take place in the body. And one of these that most people are familiar with is rigor mortis, uh, basically some chemical changes that make the body very stiff and tense. Uh, However, this wears off after a certain period of time. So it'll go through a tense period, and then ultimately it'll relax again. We actually do something that's called exercising of cadaver's joints, where we'll actually move the joints through a full range of motion in order to break up some of this stiffness. We try and replicate the living condition as well as we can. In the cardiovascular system, the heart, the aorta, we actually inject in a fluid. Can't really bruise a cadaver, but we put a dye in. And so if there's ruptures of some of the vessels, you'll see that this dye actually stains the tissue and would be similar to what a rupture or or an approximation of what you'd get for bruising. Isn't that that interesting? They can't test whether it's there's any... It's a dead any... person physio, though. Yeah, but, but a dead body can't brew it, so how can they do all these tests properly? But, so th- <clears throat> that's a dead body and they're just... Doing its joints and then I'm injecting stuff. doing bicycle stuffings. legs. <laughs> Very... <laughs> you know, that's what they're doing. They're, they're doing that to the dead body. Oh, Glenda, we got to loosen her up. She's going in. That would be a horrible Imagine job. Imagine that job. Oh, what have you been up today? Oh, <laughs> head down to work, had to do some... Um, Physio dead body manipulation, yeah. I'm going to edit on the run here because I have written about how they would deal with the pigs in order to be able to do them. And also another horrible thing, they used chimpanzees as well for some of that testing. So complaints were coming in about all of this testing, um, mostly the human stuff from Mm -hmm. churches in particular. It was accepted that the dead feel no pain. Okay. And that the indignity of what the body was going through was helping to save lives. But in the case of the animals, it it didn't lead to any animals being saved. So ethically there, the animals weren't in pain, yes, but still there's just no way to get consent from an animal. To, to have I've that told you about to the woman who told me I couldn't film her dog once because her dog had not consented to being filmed. I had that in New York. This woman had she had these show offy dogs with bows and all sorts of stuff and fluff, and I, I said, "Oh, they're gorgeous. Can I take a photo?" And she said, "No." What the? So, why are you walking around like that for? I catching attention. Approached dogs at all times, and I was with a, a crew at a protest, and I said, "Oh, your dog's so lovely." And the cameraman just went, "Whoop!" Started filming. That she excuse me, you can you cannot get consent from my dog, so you cannot film my dog. What? And I problem? laughed. I laughed. I thought she was joking. She was not joking. Well, don't have a cute dog then. I know. I t- I, Bonnie and I, my daughter, the entire day send each other dogs. 
Yeah, that's my well, whole and other algorithm. animals too. This my morning it was a, algorithm. a pink. I don't know if it's a cockatoo or whatever it is. Okay, where are we up to? Um, Animal testing, you'll be pleased to know, is no longer practiced by any of the major car makers. General Motors stopped it back in 1993 and the others did soon after because it was just seen as too cruel, sure. um, even though, you know, the data they were getting would save other lives. So, But obviously testing has to continue because cars change all the time. Of course. And they need to know what to do in order to make us safe and the technology changes. So they invented, Chanel, thank you for pointing out, crash test dummies. Yes. In 1949 was the first one, Sierra. Sierra Sam, they called him, and he was used to test a lot of aircraft stuff. He was a bit heavier Sierra and taller than most humans. Then came another one called Sierra Stan. There's one called Thor that has sensors and a human-like spine and pelvis. The VIP 50 series. I could not series. be making more noise on this side of the desk. I'm so That's sorry. That's okay. I'm just ignoring you. Okay, thanks. Same way I'm ignoring Kirsten. Yes. The VIP 50 series was built specifically for General Motors and Ford. There was another one called Hybrid One. Hybrid 2, Hybrid 3s. They've got uh, skin made out of chamois leather, yeah. the ribs bend and flex. And just to let you know, I've, I'm adding this in myself, but I'm pretty yes. sure it's true. All of those crash test dummies are going to come to life at some point what? and take over the world. No, they're not. But imagine the person that just was like, hey, guys, maybe instead of using dead people and animals, like wild idea. We just make a crash test dummy. But I'll tell you why. They would have made so much money out of it. Well, I mean, it is good. There's another one called We Are Man, the Warrior Injury Assessment Mannequin. And they yes. also use that to test um, war situations, you know, sure. how bodies react to blasts and stuff. But a dummy, obviously, can be used several times and some parts can be replaced if they fail. Right. But they're worth around about two. I've already started it. You'll guess it. But they're around about $235,000 each. Is that yep. US? Australian. Australian. Wow. It's still a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Yeah. So despite the widespread use of dummies, there was a scandal in 1993. So relatively recently, it was discovered that engineers at the Heidelberg University in Germany. Oh, no. See, Kirsten isn't here to stop you do that. They had used 200 cadavers in their cross chests. Some were children. Yes. That's unacceptable, yes. age between 2 and 13. So the uh, you've heard of Bild, the German newspaper. It described one test. It said the body of a male adult was buckled behind the steering wheel of an Opel Kadett with a K. Uh, sensors were attached to the head, chest and hips. Another Opel was rammed into the driver's side at 31 miles an hour. The collision collapsed the corpse's lungs, broke many ribs and punctured the liver. So German law allows them to use cadavers for research as long as the relatives give consent. Mm. The Vatican weighed in on the whole thing when this because this really blew up in 93. Yes. The Vatican said a body cannot be used. Why did you gasp with the Vatican making a statement? But I don't know. The Vatican has been in my life a bit. Yes, week. a little bit. Um, the body cannot be used as a guinea pig for auto tests. What happened is repugnant to the conscious, conscience. So these days, cadaver automobile research does still happen, but it's drastically reduced to only a couple per year as opposed to the back in 1966 when they were using around about one per month. And it's I think it's probably unlikely it will stop altogether. Because so much good comes out of it, they can yeah. now say how many lives will be saved as a result of what they do. Can I tell you, a, just because you, it triggered my memory, Vatican, George Pell story? Yes. Do you want to save it for the next pod? How, 
Simon, you're supposed to give us a wind-up when we're going too no, long. No, he's not. How, how long is too long? You, oh, you've done episodes no. that run an hour. We're up to about 38 minutes, I think. Okay. Yeah, do I'll you. just add it on the end. Do you do whatever okay, you want, Okay, so obviously... Kirsten does what she wants. That's true. By, by the way, I love the accents. Oh, see, no yeah. one's going to stop you. <laughs> Dunker. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How, how Simon. <laughs> um, Cardinal George Powell died earlier this week. Mm-hmm. Will be last week by the time you're you listening don't to see this. The texts I exchange with a friend. I just honestly, I this is not the story I was going to tell, but I'll tell it this way. I obviously covered that court case. It was a good chunk of two years of my life and followed him from the good old magistrate's court here all the way back to the Vatican to cover that story. And so when I I follow a lot of Vatican reporters, and I saw one tweet that morning at about five past nine that said, "I can confirm." Cardinal George Pell has died. And I'm standing outside the National Gallery of Victoria about to walk in to do some bloody colouring competition that the state government is doing. And I, I said out aloud, I think George Pell's dead. And everyone said, no, he's not. No, he's not. And so I called my chief of staff and I said, George Pell is dead. And he goes, no, he's not. We saw him last week. And I said, well, there are a lot of people that were alive last week that are not alive now. Anyway, so we find out that he, ha- he is unalive. And um, that kind of sets in motion the news day, right? So then yeah. I'm off. You're off. You're trying to find people that know him and all these things. And I think to myself, oh, that convent where he stayed when he came out of prison yes. before was he... It in Ararat or somewhere No, it was in Kew. Oh, oh, there. Right. right. Okay, so gotcha. I toddle off to the to the convent and I was wearing a very convent appropriate dress that day. It was what? down to my ankles and I looked lovely. I looked very innocent. And I t- and I walk through the gates and there's a, there's a nun there and I don't know why I took on a persona immediately. Oh, you know, you feel a bit inferior, like you just, you're in the holy place. And I walked up, hello, my name's Chanel Valor and I, and I don't know why I said this, and I'm from the television news. <laughs> And I said, um, I'm just here about the passing of George Pell. And she said, <gasps> no. They didn't know. No. Yes, I've done that before. They didn't know. Oh, so there no. I am in I the that. convent yep. with the nuns and then they're scurrying, right? They start scurrying. And, they, and this is just how weird the job is. One minute I'm at the National Gallery, the next minute I'm in the nunnery. Is that a word? Yes, great. I think so yes. So then they say you must come in and have a seat. So they put me in this room, and it felt like, and I shouldn't say this, it felt like a horror movie. Look at this. So just to give you an idea, and I know Simon, I apologise that you cannot see this. Leave this this shit in, Simon. Simon's just <laughs> yeah, staring at us. Look like, at this I'm room sure that I'm sitting in. Oh, that's austere, we'll call that. Right? And yes. then I look to the other side and there's this on the wall. Oh, I can't read that from here. It's in written in red. It looks oh, like it's written in blood. Let nothing disturb thee. Let nothing affright thee. All good things pass away. God never changes. Patient of change. Well, anyway, God alone suffices. Right. St. Teresa said that. Yes. And I'm starting to get... Because I'm holding your phone. No, I'm just starting to get freaked out in there. And everyone's running around there saying they're waiting for mother to come. I don't know who mother is. I'm sitting there. I said to... I text my boss. I say something terrible has happened. I've just broken the news to the convent that George Pell has passed away. (laughs) And now I'm feeling incredibly uncomfortable with myself. (laughs) I sat in that dim horror story room for about 
10 minutes and then a nun came back and said, I'm so sorry, um, you'll have to excuse us. Here is the phone number. You'll have to make an appointment to see mother. We're just a bit. I was like, absolutely no problems. I'm leaving. See you later. I got to go. But just I didn't expect to tell the nuns. Yeah, no, but I also feeling. didn't think I should have known. It's not like they're watching, reading online, are they? Yeah. They're, yeah, but you think they're there'd tending be some sort to of, things, you know? Yeah, well, yes, that's what nuns do. Yes. You think there'd be some sort of no, I don't know, hotline anyway, or that something. Was my fault. Um, we might leave that little mm. lovely lot there. Uh, Simon, we'll be back with you for our next episode. Thank you. Simon's yes. agreed to stick with us and help out for a bit. Yes. Kirsten will return eventually. Just strike her name off any feedback you have, send. Might have changed the lock. Strike it off. <laughs> Dead Bodies is created by D.D. Dunleavy and Chanel Vela and produced by Kirsten Lim Howe. Contact us at deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com.